We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper. AKA Blender Ed, Blender HD. You want to follow me there on Twitter? And uh, it's it's NBA time. It is the show where we're gonna go. We're not gonna review stuff from yesterday. We could, right? Did you play Bruce Brown? Well, he eventually got in the game. Avery Bradley wasn't supposed to play, and he played. Drew Holiday got injured. Uh, then we got uh, Bielitsa came out of nowhere to play a bunch of minutes, and and who knows what's gonna happen? A lot of these teams that I mean, the turnover in NBA from year to year is very high. So a lot of times you're just guessing on what these rotations are going to be in the uh, beginning of the season, but just the volatility of uh, injuries, of coaching decisions, of, you know, are the, are the Nets going to decide to just give up with four minutes to go and just like, that's it. Harden plays 30 minutes. Who knows, right? I didn't play yesterday. I told you that. Told you that yesterday. I didn't play uh, because I don't like these two game slates uh, because, uh, you know, duplication, you got, you got to, there has to be a whole process to trim dupes. And I'm not used to doing that in NBA, right? I typically play bigger slates. Uh, I could do that in NFL showdown. I could do that in NBA showdown even, but uh, but not necessarily in a classic two-game slate. So uh, so I didn't bother playing, but uh, hopefully you weren't on tilt, right? By, uh, by Bruce Brown, who just uh, just uh, didn't just, uh, just, on, just with his hoodie on the, on the, on the sideline or whatever. Uh, but uh, so we normally would be going over slates, uh, on most shows, but a two-game slate, I have to skip it, right? Kind of going still into the NBA primer mode of how to play NBA DFS well, okay? So teaching you stuff about the tools here at Roto Grinders, and I can answer any of your strategy questions. Now that we're actually talking about a classic slate, right? Yesterday, we're getting a little questions about the slate. Yesterday, two-game slate, most of the stuff you do in a classic slate, you don't do in, in the two-game slate. You do weird stuff, stuff that you never do Right, a two-game slate, you're doing weird stuff. Classic slate, you'd never do it. So now that we have, we have an 11-game slate, and that, that the more games that are on the slate, the more likelihood that there's a million things that are going to happen that we don't even expect, right? 
So, uh, so if you have any questions, post them in the YouTube chat. Give me those thummy thumbs here in the morning. Uh, helps us out. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got we got Grinders Live. We got Crunch Time. We got all the normal stuff that we'd normally get for like MLB or NFL. It, we get it for NBA. So uh, every every uh, every every night, 5.30 Eastern Time, Grinders Live, 6.30 Crunch Time for premium members. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Get $10 off your first month by hitting on the link in the description. Uh, but the first thing that I do in the morning, like NBA, Okay, NBA, don't bother, don't don't bother making lineups like early. Like like the, you're gonna find out that you're gonna do a lot of work for nothing. Okay, mostly, right? You can start doing some research, and when I mean research, I mean researching lineups, not researching basketball. Because I'm using I'm using I'm using the great uh, Roto Grinders projections. We have a team that does that already. We have seven guys that spend all day, you know pouring over the news and all the stuff and changing minutes and usage rates and assist rates. And they, they, they update the projections multiple times a day. A lot of times in the last like hour and a half before lock, the, the projections can update six or seven times. Okay. So they're doing all that work for you. If you hear at Roto-Grinders, your job is to now make plus EV lineups with that information. So I go to lineup HQ first thing in the morning. We got our initial projections. Typically they're algorithmically kind of done a little bit right there'll be some manual updates you know coming soon maybe by by 11 30 or 12 o'clock i mean it depends right you have something to work with you could start you could start looking you could start looking at uh, you know what the potential value plays and everything and what i like doing is sorting by rgv some people sort by point per dollar which you can right if we sort by point per dollar right now on our projections we got the scotty barnes chris duarte uh, Evan Mobley, Tyrese Maxey. The the pricing on DraftKings today is just you're gonna need seven million points to win. I mean, like it's it's you. I mean, you can leave five thousand on the table and still have a pretty decent lineup. Uh, so the difference between point per dollar and RGV. RGV is what we call Roto Grinders value, but it really is a salary adjusted value plus minus metric. Okay, in and of itself means nothing. Okay, so he's like, oh, well, this guy has minus what that doesn't matter what this is doing. See, point per dollar for the cheaper, the cheaper the player is, the less valuable their raw points are. Okay, so I mean, RGV takes into account the amount of raw points you will need or most likely need at their salary to make value, quote unquote. Right. So the lower price they are the more points they need to make value. It's like, oh, well, this guy's seven, seven, seven point per dollar, seven X point per dollar, and they're 3K. That's still only 21 points, right? If you were seven, uh, seven X point per dollar and you were 9K, well, that's 56 points, right? That's at 60, what, nine times seven, right? 63 points. I mean, that's, that's a lot of points, right? So RGV takes that into account. So it's a salary adjusted plus minus, which means right here with Jaron Jackson, as of right now, at 5,900, we have his median at 40.56 currently. Obviously, everything that I'm looking at right now is currently. This is this is going to change I mean, 10 times before we get to, you know, what, what, eight hours from now. So maybe they adjust him down. Maybe, maybe, maybe he should be down here a little bit more, right? But it's, it's just initial projections. So 9.46 just means what's 40? 
0.56 minus 9.46. Uh, 31.16 would be the salary-based expectation of a $5,900 player on this slate. His median, which is just the 50th percentile outcome, is 9.46 points higher than that. Okay, so that's what that this number means. So Scotty Barnes, 29.51 median. His RGV, his salary adjusted plus minus is 8.41. Because a $3,400 player to kind of make value is like 20 or 21 points. So how many points over that is his median? Right, not his floor, not his ceiling, just his median. Joel Embiid, right? So when you see guys, RGV values being high, That means they have a good point per dollar value as well as a good raw point value for their their salary. So like Joel Embiid at 10.6K, having a seven, you know, being the third highest on this list, most likely you're paying up for him, right? Most likely, you know, you're you're getting a lot of, you're getting a lot more value at 10.6K because his, his median is seven points higher than his expectation for that salary, which is around 50, 50 points, right? So if you sorted by point per dollar, like Embiid is only 5.3. Like we go like this, like he doesn't even make the screen. Or if we go by just point per dollar value, you're going to get all the cheap guys, right? You're going to get uh, Jalen Green, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Laurie Markin at 4,100, Jalen Suggs, Precious Achua. Obviously, we currently have uh, Boucher in the lineup. And I believe I just saw an update that Chris Boucher said he's going to be playing in the season opener. So like pressures, like a, I, I know pressures are sure. I mean, he, maybe he could still get there. So I'm looking, looking at this, like looking at Montrez Harrell, for, for example, in our projections currently. Montrez Harrell, we will bring him up here. Point per dollar value, not that bad. 5.78, but his RGV is minus 0.91, which means for a $3,700 player, his median we, we want like 22 and a half points or something like 22-ish points for 3,700. His median is 21.39, so it's minus 0.91. But his ceiling is still high. I mean, like these the ceilings are still high. He could still, his, his 80th percentile outcome is 31.66. If he gets that, like you'll be happy with at that with, uh, with 3,700. So understand what RGB is, what salary adjusted plus minus is. They signify based on point per dollar value and raw points what the like the best projected plays on the slate are. So if you just went, you know, if you didn't know anything about NBA, you didn't know anything about basketball, you don't even know how how it's even played. You don't even know. You've never seen a game. What's a basket? What's a ball? Who are these people? Who are these people? You didn't know. Mathematically, if you trusted the projections, all you have to do is sort by the RGV column and there you go like okay if you're gonna especially if you're gonna play cash games you're probably playing the bunch of the guys that that are at the top of the list of rgb right and in gpps you probably are also and then kind of finding a way to get you know around and you get different now normally there's a smash percentage here i don't know if they're fixing it or something i don't know why it's not displaying typically it, it displays regardless i mean obviously we don't have ownership up this early because an NBA, especially an NBA, things change like a million times. 
Uh, so th that'll be up, uh, you know, typically in the early afternoon. Uh, but the smash percentage is typically here. This is more of what I'm looking for when it comes to GPP. The smash percentage, all that is, is a math. You could do the mathematical calculation. All this is, the, is it's, it's just going to do it for you. So you could download this and do it in Excel. You could look and you could eyeball it. So the smash percentage is basically taking what would be a GPP winning value, type of value from a particular player. Okay, not a, not a, you can't think in terms of 7X, 8X, 10X. Because the lower price players, like if, to win a large field GPP and you're going to play a $3,200 player, you're probably still going to need 30 points from them or something. You're going to need a lot more raw points from the lower price players than you are from the higher price players. You know, a 10K player that puts up 60 points is only 6X, but it's 60 points, right? You still need raw points. So the smash percentage, when it is shown here, shows where basically the percentile where that line exists. So if we say that that smashing is 5X plus 10, let's just say, let, let, let's make an example. I'm not saying that it is, but let's make an example for, uh, let's make it easy on Tyrese Max because he's 4K, right? To make the, the math makes it a little bit easier. Uh, so he's 4K and for him to smash, let's just put that, that line and you can make whatever line you want. 5X plus 10 would be four times five is 20 plus 10 is 30. Okay, so at a 4K price tag, you need him to 30, 30. You need to hit 30 in order to smash. Okay, his median is 27.67. Okay, that's his 50th percentile outcome. So 50% of the time, based on our projections, he will get 27, around 27 points or more. And 50% of the time, he'll get 27 points or less. So where does 30 fit on that line, where, on that distribution? Remember, you look at the foundation, you look at the, uh, the, the projections article. Always that understanding projections, that distribution curve, like that's, that's the key to almost all of DFS on understanding what these numbers mean. So if Tyrese Maxey needs 30 to smash, well, 27 is at 50% right? At the 50th percentile. So where, where would, where would 30 lie? Okay. The floor is the 20th percentile around. The ceiling is around the 80th percentile. Now, once you have these numbers, you could just bring it into Excel and just do the math. I mean, you could just, you could get the exact number, but even if you just eyeballed it, where does 30 exist between 27 and 39? Well, not heavily towards 39, closer to 50. Right, so maybe at the 55th percentile, would that be a good enough estimate? 55th-ish, okay. So where does 30 lie? 5X plus 10 equals 30. His median is 27. Where's 30? At the 50th percentile, which is a 45% chance. So a smash, if we're going on the basis of 5X plus 10 is a smash, the smash value, the smash column, would say 45%. So 45% of the time, you will hit that threshold of a smash. So utilizing that, I mean, it'll do the calculations for you, right? And give you that percentage. Now you can compare the players that have a higher distribution towards their ceiling versus towards their median. If we had these smash percentages there, if I, if I did this, if I went by RGV, 
I'm pretty sure like we go down, down this column. Let's, let's go by salary, make it easier. Okay. So let's look at, let's look at the high end. Okay. Just to, just to, as an example. So the difference between Jokic and Embiid on this slate, according to her projections is way higher, right? Look at the difference. It's only a $200 difference, but Embiid has a higher ceiling by which is the 80th percentile outcome by what? Five, six, seven points. And a median of five point difference here. Then we have guys like, uh, we're trying to find an instance where there's a median that's higher, but a ceiling that's lower. Yeah, here, here's a good example. Here's Zach Levine and D'Angelo Russell. I'm not saying that you play these guys on the slate. Let's, let's bring this up here. Zach Levine and D'Angelo Russell. Okay, Zach Levine has a higher median, we see here, based on our projections currently. 39.62, 38.35. So about a one and a half, one to one and a half point difference in median. Levine has a much higher floor. Look, almost four and a half point different in the 20th percentile. But the ceiling wise, actually, Russell has a higher ceiling by almost two points. Okay, so from a median perspective, like, more of in that distribution curve, there are more outcomes for Zach Levine on the low end versus the high end. Now it's only by two points. I mean, we're not talking about drastic differences, but you can see here where if you had to choose between the two in a vacuum for cash, you'd play Zach Levine for GPP. You play D'Angelo Russell. This is regardless of ownership. I mean, we're not even considering what the ownership is. So that that these types of things are already calculated for you, right? Typically, typically we'll have the smash percentage there, but you can eyeball it if you want. Typically, the guys with the higher the salary adjusted value plus minus the RGV are going to have higher smash percentages also. But there are going to be instances where cheap guys, guys in the four K range, guys in the three K range, rate out as good point per dollar values, but their smash their smash percentage is lower. It's like, yeah, okay, they, they have a good shot of getting 18 points, but not that great of a shot of getting a 30. And sometimes those guys get overplayed. And then we have sometimes the guys in the, in the, in the 6K range, 6,500, 7,000, that have high smash percentages, but you know, you're probably not playing in cash games. Right? Oh, they have a 34% chance to smash, but their floor is low. And you may not get, they may go under owned because their median value is not the greatest. It's not bad, but it's not the greatest. Now, lineup HQ, if you're going to run lineups, you'll be able to see this for yourself. Okay. I'm just showing you like how to eyeball it. If you wanted to just look and just go, okay, who's a good play? Who's not a good play? Like that type of thing. Once you start running lineups, you'll, you'll, you'll see that straight up. Okay. So what I'm going to do right now on DraftKings. Obviously, the pricing on DraftKings and FanDuel are, are different. So, like, you're going to have to do the same exact thing. You're going to look on look on FanDuel and see what the comparison is. FanDuel pricing today is better than DraftKings. And typically, it's not that way. So, I'm going to run I'm going to run 150 lineups with no constraints, no nothing. Based on our current projections, I keep on saying that because someone will listen three hours from now and go, you said this guy was a good play and that's a good play. Well, I would, projections change, Right. You know, Jaron Jackson may end up getting bumped down three points. doesn't make him a bad play anymore, but it doesn't make him as great of a play. 
right? I mean, like things like that change. Someone, three people are out. Well, that changes everything. So if, you, if you're listening to this for the plays, you, you came to the wrong place. I mean, typically I don't do plays anyway, but especially in NBA at 11 o'clock in the morning. So I'm going to run 150 lineups and then I'm going to check on the, the YouTube chat. Okay, so I'll let that run. Well, this is going to be pretty fast. Brad Howard, when determining your min-max exposure to a specific player, do you base it strictly off the projected ownership? No, I, I base it on the lineups first. The exposures do not matter. Lineups matter, okay? If someone ends up at 83% of my lineups, then so be it. If the, I'm not, I don't care about being two times the field or half the, those things don't matter. Great, you're describing your portfolio, but if your lineups suck, you can build 150 lineups and be over on the best plays and under on the worst plays and end up losing all your money. And you go, how did, the, how did I lose money when I, I was over on the good plays and, and the good results? And bet? Yeah, because the lineups, individual lineups sucked, right? You looked at the individual lines. They either were over, either over-owned or under-owned or, or over-leveraged, under-leveraged. I mean, you have to look at the total lineup. So how do I determine? I, well, it depends on what lineups come up. Changing min-max exposures is, to me, diversification issue, not a strategy issue. You've already built lineups. I, I typically, if I'm going to build... If I were to play 150 lineups, I don't build 150 lineups. I build like 300 lineups and then I eliminate 150 and find the best out of the 150. And if that means that I have 72% of a player, then that's that's the way it goes. If I don't, if I look at that player and I go, I don't want to have 72% of them, the only reason that I have less is for for diversification sake, for a risk, a risk management issue of like, I don't want my entire slate to be to rely on having 72% of an 8% owned guy. Maybe I do. Maybe on that, okay, I think the EV is there that I, I'm just going to double down on this. Okay. That, or you could diversify. You say, I'm going to play slightly worse lineups that are still profitable. So instead of having 72% of that guy that I had 48%. So I could, I could just run 300 lineups without him and just see which, which are the best of those and then just integrate. Right, you can find thousands of lineups that are profitable in GPP that have plus the positive expected value. Just a matter of which ones do you play. <sighs> so there's no numbers. You don't put in settings. There's no settings, and there's no settings in DFS. So I'm running lineups. I'm running 150 lineups just to see what comes up. So these are supposed to be based on fantasy points, the top projected lineups. So we have the top one, 306.67. Now, we don't have ownership here. So typically, I'd be looking and comparing just like we did in NFL, right? I showed that last week and the week before, comparing the, the total to the ownership, to the, the projection and ownership. But we don't have ownership. So now I'm just doing research on, like, who shows up the most. Jaron Jackson shows up in 100% of it, if his projection is correct. Scotty Barnes, Joel Embiid, Evan Mobley, SGA. I know that's where the cutoff is. Fred Van Vliet's going to be Fred Van Vliet, Tyrese Maxey, and Chris Duarte are probably going to be popular. But in the top 150 lineups, they, they come in 56, 38, and 21. That's primarily because you're jamming in other guys, especially Embiid. So you're just looking, Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, even if you didn't look at the projections, just like run 150, run 300, whatever, who shows up the most? 
most likely the guys that show up the most, that's probably who you're playing in cash games. If you were to build right now, like I could just optimize and just, I could get this lineup right here, right? So this top lineup is always going to be in the lineup creep. So if I were to play cash games, this is the lineup that I would play. Now here's an exercise that you could do to compare who is more likely to be in lineups that for floor or lineups that have ceiling. So right now I, I ran a 150 set or just the top 150 median projected lineups. Well, I could change this here, ceiling and floor. So if I just go on, I'm going to build 150 for floor. So it's prioritizing the, the back, the back end of the, the fat part of the curve, right? So I'm building 150 lineups. These are the guys that are more likely to be like, these are cash game plays. It doesn't mean they're not GPP. It doesn't mean you don't play them in GPP. I'm just, you'll see what I mean. I'm going to run 150 as, as floor. And this should go pretty fast because I have, I have no constraints. So I have no, no, no groups, no nothing. I got no exposures. Just, just, just run it. Okay. So I'm going to rename this median. Okay. Then when this comes out, I'm going to name that floor. And then you know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to do one that's called ceiling. Okay. We're going to do that. And you can run 300 if you want. I'm, I did, I just showed 150 because for time, for time purposes, for this show. I typically have enough time throughout the day to let it run 300. And if you have a tool outside of this, you could run, you could run 5,000 if you want. At uh, lineup HQ, 300 is the max. Okay. So I'm going to change this and call this floor. So if we take a look at this, from a floor perspective, we get a lot of SGA, a lot of Goran Drogic, okay? Jaron Jackson, Joel Embiid, Toby Harris, right? If we look at the median perspective, right? Jaron Jackson, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Fred Van Vliet, Tyrese Maxey, we get less of them in the floor. I mean, we still get 451% Fred Van Vliet. But Tyrese Maxey kind of goes away. Where's Tyrese Maxey? Floor-wise, kind of goes away. Is he somewhere? I see Melton there. Amazing, doesn't get in at all. You still get Embiid, but you get less of them. Okay. So you're looking at this. So from a floor perspective, which is more of a cash game mindset, like maybe you prioritize the guys that show up more in the floor run than you do in the medium run. If you want, if you want to de-risk your lineups a little, they may not be the best lineups, right? If we look here, the top floor lineup compared to the top median lineup, which is should show here, right? So look at the difference between the two. Basically, we're not playing Mobley. We're not playing Maxi. We're still playing Scotty Barnes, though. Playing Markinen instead. Not playing Deontay Murray. Right? So this would be like the top floor lineup. If you want to completely de-risk, like this would be the top lineup. Then you have another. Yeah, I mean, the ones that are closest to it, I mean, are, you know, typically the top couple of lineups are separated by a margin by like nothing practically a point not even a, even a point there's some slates where the top 20 lineups aren't even separated by a point so now you're looking at this floor 
Now let's run it by ceiling, okay? Run 150 by ceiling. Now, what do you think, what do you think the purpose of doing this is? Now, obviously, you'd anytime the projections change, you'd have to do this again, right? This guy's out. This guy's in. This guy's moving. Minutes from this guy got moved, bumped down three minutes. This guy got bumped up three minutes there. You're going to have to run this again. You can't just do it at 11 o'clock in the morning and go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm off I'm off on my day, right? I mean, a lot of times, you, I'm not even doing this until like 5.30 in this p.m. Eastern anyway, that 5.30 injury report. But maybe I do, maybe I just get a sense of what's going on in NBA. I'll do this early in the morning. I can't do much else without the ownership. So, I mean, whatever. Okay, so for ceiling, let's rename this ceiling. Ceiling. Okay, we're getting a lot of Nikhil Alexander-Walker for 6,600. Uh, guess what? Zion is out. Yet it's still getting su- Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, oh, let me rename it. Come on, it was supposed to be ceiling. Come on, ceiling. Okay. So now you're looking here. Now, now most people are going to be using median projections. Okay. They're probably not going to be using floor projections. So you can see here, ceiling wise, you want to look and see the difference between the median and the ceiling. What players are you get more of? Okay. So from a median perspective, uh, we're going to see, obviously, I mean, you're going to see a lot of the same people. Jaron Jackson, Scotty Barnes, Embiid, Mobley, SGA, Van Vliet, Tyrese Maxey, Chris Duarte, OG, Jalen Green. Now, let's look at the ceiling. Are there ones that are missing that are much lower? Fran Van Vliet is actually lower in the ceiling run than in the median run. That's what it looks like. Obviously, NAW is higher in the ceiling one. Tyrese Maxey is much lower in the ceiling one. Right, if we take a look, 14% in the ceiling run. In the median run, he's 38%. Chris Duarte is 21% in the median run. And doesn't, 3% in the ceiling one. So what could this give a glimpse into? Okay. Well, from a median perspective, Maxi seems like a pretty good play. Dwart seems like a pretty good play. But based on our full range of outcomes, Tyrese Maxi and Dwart show up in less lineups when considering their ceiling. So it's quite possible, depending on their ownership, that they go over oh, that they go. They, they're going to be higher owned for their median than their ceiling. Which means like in cash games, yeah, I can understand playing Tyrese Maxey and, and Duarte. Yeah, sure. Okay. But maybe based on based on you just running lineups. Remember, I'm just running lineups. I I would not be able to tell this. I mean, you could kind of, you could eyeball the, the, the projections and see. But if you want to run the lineups, you could see this. And you go, oh, my, I didn't even consider Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 6,600. Hmm. Interesting, right? Fred Van Vliet, you get less of. And people, have, because of the Raptors being, you know, Siakam's out and Lowry's not there. Oh, Van Vliet's going to be popular. And it's quite possible. It's quite probable you're playing him in cash games. You're playing double ups and head to heads. 
you're probably you're probably putting Van Vliet in. But based on our run right now of our current projections, he actually shows up in less lineups when referring to ceiling than referring to median. And because many of your opponents are going to be focusing a lot more on median than ceiling, Van Vliet may be over-owned. Now, obviously, we, we would be able to see the ownership here eventually. Uh, so we're doing runs like this. You take a look at uh, floor. Take a look at, let, let's go to median. Many people don't even care about floor unless for cash games. Go back to median. So like Evan Mobley, median, 85% of lines. Embiid, 95% of lines. OG, 21%. Derek White, 15%. Let's see what let's see. We could find those guys. Evan Mobley, a little bit less. You get a little bit less of Evan Mobley, but you still get plenty of them. You get more. You get Derek White at thirty nine. You get Pirtle at thirty nine, which you weren't. We weren't getting in the median run. You get more Jeremy Grant. You take a look at Deontay Murray, eleven percent in the ceiling run, and the median run. 13%, so not that big of a difference. Derek White, 15 in the median. I think he's much higher in the ceiling. Yeah, 39 in the ceiling. So Derek White may be a candidate of being under-owned. If, I mean, but it, you have to see the ownership, right? So it may be that if people are taking too much median into account, the fat part of the, that distribution curve, they're going to be playing less Derek White, but from the top end of his curve, maybe he'll be under-owned. Now, this will be reflected in their smash percentages. Like, what I'm showing you right now is another methodology in seeing those types of things. You could go to the player pool and compare and eyeball the floor seal, the ceiling versus the median and see. It's like, oh, well, this, you know, the fact, like, we take a look at Duarte, right? Duarte, whatever. Like, his floor and ceiling, he has a much wider range of outcomes. His median is 23, but his floor is 5. So if you look at that curve, you know, he's a very, very, he's much more of the outcomes actually below 23, wider before 23 than, than the upside, than in the ceiling side. That, but that's just eyeballing. You, we would be able to see that in the smash percentage also. Like this, Chris Duarte's smash percentage is probably is probably lower than other than you'd expect. Still doesn't make him a bad play. It's still it's still a great play. Yes, but you'd be able to see that. So by running these lineups, like I've been showing you, running the floor, running the ceiling, running the median, see who shows up in more lineups than less lineups. That's just another methodology of doing the same. Because obviously, if you're considering ceiling, you know, you just, you're going to jam in, you know, here's the top ceiling line. Now, once we get ownership, now you have something to compare it to. Now you could be like, okay, let me run these median lineups and see what the total ownership is. Let me run the ceiling lineups and see what the total ownership is. Let me see the median of those ceiling lineups. Okay? So you lock them in, you go, okay, how... This has the highest ceiling. This has a high ceiling, but how many points am I sacrificing median-wise? Sometimes you may find lineups that have six-point higher ceilings that only sacrifice uh, half a point to median, right? Some, sometimes you find that. 
that it's that drastic. You're only sacrificing a point in the middle, but you're getting six points at the top end, and the ownership is uh, is is cut cut by twenty or twenty five percentage points. And you go, there are my GPP lineups, right? Then you start looking for them, right? Then you start, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for those, build three hundred, and start looking, start you know, start treasure hunting for the lineups and pick your line, and especially if you're playing single entry three max type of stuff or twenty max, or you know, you're not you're not playing one hundred and fifty lineups. Sometimes it's better. It's to me, truthfully, it's better if you're playing, like, let's say you're playing 20 max. It's better to just build 300 lineups and just go through and select 20. Then try to build 20 lineups with exposures and everything. No, just go through. And maybe you don't want to play certain players and you go, so X them out and then make, make a run and then whatever. Or you go, I want to make sure to play half my lineups with Scotty Barnes. So here you could just click on his name and then pick the 10 lineups you want to play with them. And then the other lineups get rid of. So they're no longer in your pool of 300. And now you have lineups that don't have Scotty. And then now you pick 10 of those. And you compare the projection versus the ownership and pick your pick your 20. Pick your three, pick your one. It's the same. To me, it's the same thing. It, to me, it's easier to do that than start from the bottom up, right? Oh, uh, who do I play here? Who do I play there? Who do I play... You're not getting a, enough of an overall perspective strategically on the slate. You're still too focused on the plays and not the lineups. So when I say lineups, not players, I, I that's what I eat, my dog food, right? I'm looking at lineups. I'm not looking at who do I play and then how do I play them? It's like, no, I'm looking at the lineup. Okay, look at this full lineup. Look at that full lineup. Then I start looking through and said, is there anything that's like negatively correlated? Am I getting guys that, you know, backups, you know, who knows? Or do I want do I want to play Fred Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes together? At, at their prices, yeah, of course you can. <clears throat> do I want to play Derek Wright and Jacob Pertle together? I mean, you can, sure, of course you can. I think they're perfectly fine together. So you're trying to find like anything that's like negatively correlated. Then you're also trying to see if there's two sides of a game that are coming out high. So the, the Philadelphia and the Pelicans, right? And New Orleans are playing together, right, in the same game. And I'm getting a bunch of Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the ceiling projections. I'm getting, obviously, Brandon Ingram is a play, right? I'm getting, you know, Philadelphia, there's Maxi there also. So this may be the type of thing where it's like, well, if I'm getting a lot of Embiid and I'm getting a lot of, of Pelicans and Sixers, well, maybe I'll just make sure to play them together, right, to correlate them in my lines. Am I going to force in just random guys from those teams just to correlate? No. I'm going to see what guys project well together. And then hopefully the game goes over its total. The starters, you know, play play max minutes, you know, and we're off to the moon. And hopefully you get multiple guys in that game that get a seat. I take a look at the uh, Spurs. Like, okay, well, I'm getting some White. I'm getting Pirtle. I'm getting Deontay Murray. Like, who are they playing? They're playing Magic. Am I getting any Magic in here? Let's see. Boston Celtics. Okay, it's organized by this. Am I getting any magic? Am I getting anything? I'm not getting... Okay, here. Jalen Suggs a little bit in Mo Bamba. Okay? But I'm getting a ton of uh, Jacob Hurdle and Derek White and some Deontay Murray. So a little bit of Keldon Johnson there. So now I have to decide, like, well, do I want to boost these guys? Maybe I want to make sure that if I do play Mo Bamba in a lineup, that I'm playing one of Pirtle or White or Murray. Maybe I do it the opposite way. 
the lower projected guys, the ones I'm getting a little of, I'd rather have the, the Spurs guys in with them, but I don't mind the Spurs by themselves. So maybe then I create a group for that. I create a group that says, you know, if Mo Bamba's in the lineup, make sure to play at least one of Pirtle, White, Murray, Johnson or something. Because they're showing up. They're showing up in the top 150. And if they're going to show up in the top 150 and I'm planning on keeping them in my pool to play, I'd rather them be together. Not all four of them, not four guys together, but, you know, one and one, two and one. The Spurs, I could probably get away with two and one. They're coming up enough. Right? Because we see here, like, I think Toby Harris is going to be popular today. But I ran 100, 150 lineups. His ceiling in comparison to Embiid is uh, is significant enough. He's only showing up in 1%. But in the, in the median projections, I believe he shows up much higher. In the floor projection, he shows up ridiculously high. I go to, where's Toby Harris? Yeah, 5% in the median. But if I go by floor, he's, he's, one, he's a high floor for, right, we've got 51%. So maybe if you're playing cash games, if you're thinking of like, who's the last guy in, you know, who'd, who'd fill up my roster? Like Tobias Harris would be, would be a good example. SGA, the guys that come up a lot in these floor, from a floor perspective, make much better cash plays than GPP plays. I mean, if, if, if you're going to build around it in a cash line. Okay, let's go through the YouTube chat a little bit. Uh, William, why is Smash Percentures not up yet? I don't know. They're working. I think it's a technical issue. So let's see. I'm seeing the Sixers injury report. No, okay. Nothing, nothing new. Uh, normally it's up. So the Smash Percentage is normally up. I've, 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 I've already messaged them. The devs or whatever. I've, I'm not in control. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, so I guess they're going to figure out why it's, why it's not working and make sure it's in. Uh, Michael Dompey, for NBA, I set up a lot of player groups, but don't set up team player groups. Do I use team player groups? Usually I don't. Whatever, you, whatever groups you need to make, whatever lineups you need to accomplish, then it's fine. Typically, I'm not using team player groups. Like the, the pre-filled in ones? No, I typically, I get to, a, like, in the instance of what I just showed before, I get to a, I start looking at lineups and then I go, oh, okay. Based on what I see, uh, if I play Mo Bamba in a lineup, uh, make sure to play uh, White, White, Pirtle, Pirtle, Murray, Keldon. Right? I have something like one, two, you know, like something like that. I got to that. I was getting a lot of Spurs, getting a little bit of the magic, but it's like, and maybe I don't even end up playing Mo Bum. Maybe I end up playing none of them anyway. But I'll just, whenever I get to the, them in a lineup, that's when I that's when I make the groups. Right. If I see two centers opposing each other, that's typically negatively correlated. But it depends. If I see in the top 300 lineups, I'm not getting opposing centers. I may not need the group. I'll go through and see. I don't go through each team and then go, well, I'm going to make a group of this and group of this. There's 11 games on the slate. You could end up with like 80 groups at that point. What groups do you need? We'll see the lineups that you're building and then, then you could figure out what groups you need. I think that's the easier way of doing it. Unless you have the time. If you, if you, if you have 80 hours a week to, to, to devote to DFS, then you can start making groups for like every team, every game. But I see no point. Like, oh, I'm going to group out the, the, the starting centers with the backup centers. It's like, well, are you playing any backup centers? Do any backup centers project well? 
that they'll ever get into any of your lineups? No. So why you have to make the group? On the slates where, yes, we get that situation, then yes, then I'll, then I'll make the group because I'll start seeing them in lineups. I'll start seeing, you know, why, why is, uh, you know, why is whatever. There's, there's a slate, you know, obviously not in situations where it's like one guy plays 38 minutes and the other guy only plays 10. There's some certain ones where, you know, it's a split of like 28 and 20. The guy that's projected with 20 minutes is 3K and is a good fantasy point per minute player. It's like, oh, well, they're projecting slightly higher than the other guy. It's like, and, they, and the other guy still shows up in some lineup. So it's like, okay, now I got to make a group. So, you know, not play both in the same lineup at their prices. But that's, it's, it's whatever it comes out to. Like I said, I just showed you before. I look at the lineups first and then I, then I make the groups. And who says if I haven't even played Mobamba? I don't even know. I don't even know at this point. So all I'm doing is looking and seeing, you know, DeMontis Sabonis for a floor is high, but he's going to be low owned because from a median and a ceiling perspective, he's not, you know, great. You got Jalen Suggs in the floor projections. Like typically the floor projections, if you do that, these are like the safer plays. Safer. That's not necessarily good for GPP. I care about the ceiling. Connor Orndorff. What do you look for when selecting players from each team when selecting your player pool that they project wrong? That's it. You're done. If I were to go through, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what I would normally do, which you don't even need to do because they're most likely not gonna show up in lineups anyway. I'm gonna exclude everyone. Okay, so I'm gonna go to options, I'm gonna exclude all. This is DraftKings. Okay. Now I can go through each individual team, Indiana. Okay. I'm sorting by RGB, okay? Looking at smash percentage, when it was B there, and ownership. It's like, okay, the Pacers. Who am I playing with the Pacers? Well, anyone with the plus RGB. Here, one, two, three, done. Charlotte. Ball, done. I could play Hayward. It did. His smash percentage may actually be good. He has a 47 point, but on this, on this, on the context of this slate, you're probably not playing anyone that is has under salary adjusted value. Probably not. So you go to the next team. You go, okay, who on Chicago I'm playing? No one. Who on Detroit am I playing? Jeremy Grant is in my pool, right? You know how easy this is? Who am I playing on Boston? Well, it depends if Jalen Brown is in or not, right? But Tatum does have a high ceiling, so maybe maybe I do play. He's probably not going to get in many lineups, but I could put him in there. On the Knicks, who am I playing? Maybe Julius Randle. He'll probably not get in many lineups, but I'll, I'll throw him in there. Washington. Okay, we got uh, Gafford, Dinwiddie, Kuzma, Harold, maybe, I guess. Du, 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 du. Right? Oh, we'll go to Toronto, it's everyone, obviously. Even down to Precious Achua. Go down there. I mean, this is what, what's so complicated with this. Ding, ding. Look for the green and put in the green. And maybe even Kyle Anderson, I could even do. Probably doesn't show up in many lineups. Like, you don't even have to do this because most of the time, like, I need to take out Xavier Tillman from my, like, he's not going to, at this at his projection, he's probably not going to show up in many lineups at all, if any. Right? Go to Houston. Jalen Green, Christian Wood. There. Boom, boom. Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. Philadelphia. We got a bunch of guys, right? We got three guys here. Boom, boom, boom. Pelicans. Got, uh, let's see. See, the Keel Alexander Walker, this, 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 come on, this ceiling can't be right. Like this, talk about a large distribution. 
Because look at this. He has a minus 4.42 salary adjusted value for his median, but his ceiling's 55 in this situation. So either that's a mistake, <laughs> either that's a mistake or or uh or he does have that. I guess he does. Right? Because this is the thing where it's like I'd go ding ding, but based on my run before, like I how do I ignore a 55 point ceiling at 6,600? So I'd add him. But he wouldn't show if I just optimized by median, he's not going to show up much. I would have to go by ceiling to get him in there. So maybe he's an exception. So I'm going to throw that in. Orlando. I got what? Two guys? Ding, ding. I mean, this is a, how hard is this? Do I have to know anything about basketball? No, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's a math game. Maybe I play Keldon Johnson also because I saw in the run that he did show up a little. OKC, SGA. Josh Giddy. I don't even know who that is. Who's Josh Giddy? Who cares? Doesn't matter. <laughs> He's a positive value. Throw him in my lineups. Conley, uh, Gobert, get out of here. We need a high ceiling player. I mean, he could play Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's 9,600, though. Okay, let's see. Jokic, Porter, Aaron Gordon, do we play? Oh, the ceiling's pretty high. Uh, Phoenix. I mean, you could do Chris Paul, I guess. Michael Ridges. Maybe they show up. Maybe. They probably don't even show up in lineups. Go to the Kings. You go, oh, there's no one here for the Kings. Uh, not really. I think Davian Mitchell is more of a play on FanDuel. Go to Portland. Then you see McCollum, Nurkic, Lillard. Something like that. There you go. You're done. Right. And there's your player pool. Right. All 49 players. Yeah, all the, all the, be- all the best projected players. I mean, what's so complicated? I could have done this from this screen and just eliminated anyone below it. Everything basketball-wise is already in the numbers. And it's 11-game slate. Look how many players we have to choose from. So why are we playing guys that are, that are poorly projected? There's more than enough players to be different. I still have to, I have to, I have to ask about that Nikhil Alexander-Walker projection. It stands out. It stands out that he has a such a high ceiling. Like his range of outcomes is just so wide for his median to be that low in comparison to other players. And we just got news that Jalen Brown will start in the season opener. Okay. And Jalen Brown's already uh, factored into these projections. You know, anyone that's questionable, you'll see. You'll see. Because even if you if you want to take a look in the beginning of the day, you can take a look at the situation world. And if you're a a Road Grinders premium member, you got the situation room. So it says all, and this is this is done like early in the morning, late at night, the night before. So you can see like who's most, who, what the status of the players are out, questionable, doubtful. And then if, right, note like what it is. If, if Murray out, then this happens. If Hachimura out, then this happens. Right, some little descriptor of what, what you should expect. Of course, they're going to be reflected in the projections when you load them up. But if you want, to, if you want an explanation of them, it's like, why is this guy projected well? Well, go to the situation room and you go, oh, that's because Jalen Brown is out, right? Why is Tatum projected well? But I mean, Jalen Brown is in. So you could always go here and see. And he, obviously it's sorted by impact rating, right? You see, it did Yuta uh, Wantanabe is out. Like the, 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 the bench forwards will handle his minutes, his eight minutes or four minutes or whatever like who cares it doesn't matter that much 
the ones that matter the most are up here. Zion's out, Siakam's out, Simmons is, who knows if he ever plays for the Sixers ever again. So you can see that here. But understand that all of this information is already going to be factored into the, into the projections. Go through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Oh, refresh your screen. Ownership is live. Oh, okay. Let me see. People giving me a help. They pressed a vote update. Because you'll see the update in, in, the, in the screen. Right, 1121. Right, okay. Oh, yeah, we already got ownership. Don't have a projections update, just an ownership update. So we take a look here. We take a look at the highest owned players based on our current projections. I always have to say that. Jackson, Barnes, Embiid, Mobley, SGA, Van Flavien, all the people that are obviously. Not Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It's like, who are those guys that we mentioned before that, like Derek White? Should he be 15% owned? Okay, that may be, that may be, that may be uh, efficient. Right? So now we could compare. So let's say, let's say we just did a median. Right? Like we would normally do. I've showed this for football. Celtics will start Smart Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams. The Williams brothers. Okay? So let's say I'm going to build, I, I, let's, let's build, I'll just build 150. Okay? Now that we have ownership. So remember, the key to DFS for GPPs, you want to play the highest projected liners to have the lowest ownership. In general, but that, that's the concept. You don't just want to play low-owned lineups, and you don't just want to play high-projected lineups. You want to play lineups that are the balance of the two. So I'm building 150 lineups. They're, these are mostly going to be cash-type lineups because we're just optimizing for projection. 306 at 235. Okay? So assuming that, that all these numbers are correct, if you don't agree with a certain ownership percentage, then change it yourself, okay? If you don't agree with minutes, I don't think this guy's going to get 28 minutes. I think it's going to be 26. Well, then change it. You don't have to go by the ones that are exactly are in RG. If you, if you have some reason to think it's different, a lot of times I change ownership. So I listen to stuff around throughout the day. I have podcasts on, you know, the, the background. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, we, we RG has them projected, uh, you know, 17% down. I think it'll be more like 28. You know what I do? I change it to 28, right? And because that guy gets a little bit more ownership, these other three guys, I'll knock down, you know, three or 4%. I do that. But if you, if, if you trust the team here at RG, I mean, they're going to be more accurate than you if you're not used to doing that type of stuff. So that once you have the numbers, you're done. You're done. You don't have to think about basketball anymore. Now it's a math game. So now, basically, the, the concept is, why would you play a higher, why would you play a lower projected lineup that is owned higher than the lineup above? Okay, so we'll play that game. So we got 306 at 235, 306 at 229, 306 at 239. Nope, it's too high. So any lineup below this has to beat out 229.4 in ownership. Okay, so we're going through, we're eliminating anything. So he has 227.3. Okay. So now that's the lineup that has to be beat. 227. 220. Okay. So this has to be 220. You keep on going down. 
220. 220. Let's keep on going. I should have done less lineups to make it quicker. Let's see how many how many lineups are in between this. Let's see. Look see. Keep on keep on trucking. 219. Okay. We're still giving up one and a half points to get that little. Okay. Then we go. We have to beat out 219. You could do this. You could do this yourself. This look at what I'm doing. Is this that complicated? It isn't. Now, obviously, you have to do with the most updated numbers at the time. So like 11 o'clock in the morning, ain't, you know, ain't the best time to do it unless nothing changes. Right. But you can do you can do this exact type of experiment, this exercise. And go, OK. This is assuming that the numbers are correct. So like I said, if you want to change, I don't think this guy is going to be that high owned. He's going to be lower than change. Obviously, these numbers are going to change. Right. The total is going to be different. Right. So I'm just going through eliminating the lineups that are in between the two. Right. Why would I play a lineup that is lower projected but higher owned? Conceptually, you wouldn't. Going through 215. Okay. So you're dropping, you're barely dropping anything. You're dropping like a quarter of a point in median projection to get that ownership. So 215. Let's see if we could beat out 215. Two sixteen, two thirty-two. So like two thirty-five. Like, like, why would you play this lineup when the lineup at top is three points higher projected and lower owned? Like, doesn't mean that lineup can't be played. That still is probably a good lineup, but in comparison to other lineups, you wouldn't play them. Try to beat out two fifty. Here's a two twelve. Okay, we got a two twelve. That drops down barely a half a point. We drop even more ownership. Okay, so now we're going to beat out. Try to beat out two twelve. 212.4, the difference of 0.03. Okay, so we could do that. And 212, 212, 212. How many more lineups are there? Out of one, I mean, you could do this with 300. You could do this with 3,000. Okay, 212.6. Keep on eliminating, eliminating, eliminating. 214, 214. Nope, that's still too high. And we beat out 212. How many more lineups are there? Come on. Come on. Come on. Or should I just get rid of them all at the bottom and just say that there's no others in the top 150? Okay, we're getting we're getting close to the end. We're getting close to the end. I see the, the little divot thing. 213, 231, 214, 219. Okay, yeah, okay. So there. So I got rid of all those lineups. So we, we got nine lineups up here. Okay. All nine lineups have Jaron Jackson, Joel Embiid, and Scotty Bones. Okay. This one up here is obviously a cash lineup. Okay. It's the it's the top lineup that's here, right? 306.67. Okay. So this is most likely. If you just went purely by projections, what you'd play in double ups and head tags. Now you have to see what's the drop in difference between these two lineups. Because now, now we're going to drop a little bit of ownership, drop a little bit of projection. 
So it's not, you're still playing Chalk and Bead, Jackson. Now you're playing Jokic in this line and Jalen Suggs. Okay. This could be something for a really small field, GPP. Droppings, I mean, it's almost a, ca- it's almost a cash line. It's, it, you may actually see it in cash. Like it's that, it's projected that closely. So now we start going down. Okay, now we're dropping one point in projection, which is a lot of, which triply in NBA is, is, a, is a decent amount. A, one point is a lot. Now you're getting Lamella Ball, Jalen Green. Like there, here we go. Here's, here's a line. So the second one, I view it as this is more of like a cash lineup with flair type of line. This would be a cash line. So if you wanted to play like three mans or something like that, maybe you play this line. If you want to play double ups and head to edge, maybe play the first one. But then we get down to you're sacrificing one point of projection. You're sacrificing, you're getting eight percentage points of ownership, but your lineup construction is kind of much different. You're getting ball in there. You're getting Jeremy Grant. You're still playing a lot of chalk. Like this would be like a single entry, small field GPP line. You're playing under, you know, 200, 200 entries, something like that. I could see this being a line. Like it's even this one being a line. You're playing Daniel got like, we're gonna, obviously, because we're not running so many lines. I mean, all these lineups have like Embiid and, you know, all the, the three, three chalkiest players on the slate. So maybe none of these are large field, large field lineups. But these are definitely single entry, three max, smaller field, under a thousand even, right? You're playing Lillard in this lineup at 10%. Playing Jokic in this lineup at 17. Right, this is the type of lineup that maybe I'd try to, if you're going to play Maxi and Embiid, maybe play Ingram in this lineup instead. But all you know is that anytime you're dropping ownership, so like the lowest lineup is 302.3. The highest lineup, which is your cash lineup, is 306.67. So that's a drop. 306.67 to 302.3, of uh, almost a little over four points, right? And 100, remember, we mailed 150. So from the top one to the bottom 150, there's only a four-point difference in projection. Median wise, and you're giving and you're and you're getting how much in ownership? Two twelve. So two thirty five to two twelve is what twenty three. So for every four points in projection, you should be getting at least twenty three percentage points in ownership. About around if you want to just not have to do any advanced math. So for large field contests, maybe you don't mind giving up eight points in projection for forty six. So if you that range of 46, 45, like two, 190. If you have 190, if this was 306 and it would be 298 and 190, those may be large field lineups. So even if you put in, we're going to go like, okay, so we're looking at the 190 range. Let's see if we could build lineups that are 190 and only, and that are 190% owned and get us around 298 points in projection medium wise. So let's see if we could do it. So we're going to go here. I'm going to put the max of 190. Just to see. I don't have to build many. It's going to give me 20. Key is 298. We're aiming for. 296.92. So you're not, you're not about there. 
You're still giving, I mean, it's still fine. But I mean, we're close enough. I mean, you could play these lineups in the large field, right? 296 at 189. You're st- and look, you're still playing chalk. You're still playing plenty of chalky players. You play, you, you, you're still getting enough ownership differences, especially for an 11-game slate, to do this. Maybe you don't play Van Vliet, Barnes, and Achua together. Maybe you don't. You're going through here. The highest lineup. Let's let's go. Let's look at the even lower lower ownership. Let's drop it another thirty points in ownership. So right. So we're 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 aiming for the level of if it we're going four points for every twenty. So we're looking for what like two ninety three. Can we get lineups in the two ninety three range at one sixty? Let's see. Two eighty eight. Oh, now 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 we're starting to drop further. Now, now, now we're now we're getting even further further. Yeah, this 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 is going to be a very chalky slate because you see here that the more ownership we give up, the projection starts coming down even more dramatically. But the reason for that on this specific slate is there's a lot of value available. If this was a much more efficiently priced slate, you'd be you'd be able to find these lineups. You'd be able to find lineups that step down in ownership and projection more. It's just that once we start getting into the 160, 140, that means Embiid starts coming out of lineups. That means you're not, Scotty Barnes starts coming out of lineups. Uh, so many other, these values start coming out of the lineups and it just keeps on, you, you can always tell uh, that slate's going to be, that you're going to be making much more chalky lineups when you look at the RGV or whatever. And like you have like multiple players that are like projecting like five, six, seven, eight, like all of these up. But we do have some slates where, you look at you look at the slate for the day, and this is what you see. It starts like this. Where the best projected play is like not all that, you know, only two, three points different from their median. And in these cases, you could build tons of lineups. I mean, just metric, you know, a metric ton of lineups that are like, oh, by my 5,000th lineup, I'm still only giving up four points of projection. Right? But when, when, when we have like guys that are wildly mispriced, it's hard to not play lineups with a lot of the widely mispriced guys, which means your ownership is going to, like the only way to drop your ownership is to kind of get rid of some of these guys and that'll drop your projection too much. But you can go through that exercise that I just did just, just to get a sense. So when people ask like, how many points should I be given up for X project? Like it all depends on the slate and the makeup of how players fit together, Right. And there's no one number for every slate. There's no one number by just like simply waking up in the morning and knowing what that number is. No, I, I have to do the same exact, I have to do this, right? So I don't even know. Based on the numbers that I have, maybe I'm aggregating from another site. Maybe maybe if I drop a guy three points in, in, in minutes, three minutes, it changes everything else. I mean, so it's, it's very fragile. So this is something that you could do in the morning just to get a general sense on the slate. But we see more often than not that by 5.30, 6 o'clock Eastern, half the stuff that you looked at in the early in the day doesn't matter. Right? Like something has happened. Like the value, oh, this is the value play. And now he's not that great of a play because there's three other value plays that opened up. And okay, you don't need that guy anymore, right? Or vice versa. Now everyone's playing this stud and then the AD is out and now everyone's jamming in LeBron. You know, like you, you never know. So that's why like the importance of like building lineups 
in the morning, noon, like to me, it's, it's not important. Doing this type of stuff, what I, what I did on this show, I think that's more important. Like just, this is, this is the DFS research. This is the basketball research. If you notice throughout this entire hour of me doing this, I didn't mention a team total. I didn't mention a matchup. I didn't mention, I didn't mention a spread. I didn't mention positions. I didn't, I mean, I didn't, me- I mean, what did I mention? I just ran lineups and looked at, I looked at numbers. That's it. Right. Oh, I, if I, if I go with, if I go with the, you know, the five lineups, what the nine lineups that I had before, what where I had nine lineups, right? Where are my nine lineups? That I built. And I'm like, I'm just going to play these nine lineups. It's like, okay, I'm playing one lineup with Lillard, one line, two lineups with Suds, three with, and someone would ask me, Oh, why, why, why did you, why did you decide to play Daniel Gafford? Well, I have no idea. That's what the numbers said for me to do. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, you, you had, you, you were under the field and Chris Van Vliet. Did you know something? No, I didn't. I'm just trying to play lineups that have plus EV. That's like, I'm just, it's, it's just putting numbers together. I don't have to make the projections. That's why I have Rotogrinders. That's why I have Andy Means. That's why I have uh, Tuttle and, and SBK and Jamino and Bob Reeves and Alan Lem and whoever, whoever's in the back there. Seven, seven, eight guys building the projections, putting all the minutes, working out the rotations, going through all that. They're doing the work for me. That, that's why I've been, I've been a Roto-Grinders premium member before I was here even as a host on Roto-Grinders. I paid for it myself. That's why I would suggest you do the same thing. All the work is done for you. Your job is to now play, make plus EV lineups for the contest that you're playing. Large field, small field, high stakes, low stakes. Use the ownership, use the, use the numbers and build lineups. And now we have an update that Jalen Brown is now questioning because he said he's questioning. What is going on? This is NBA. Welcome to NBA, people. If you're not used to NBA, this, this is NBA. Right, random DNP CDs, right? Guy that normally would play 28 minutes, just doesn't play. Guy's getting injured in the third minute of the game, right? It's welcome to NBA, folks. Welcome to NBA. Uh, Michael Dampier says the ownership for NAW doesn't match with the ceiling. So there must be a gap that they're going to fix. Yeah, that well, that's why I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up to the projections team. Why is Naw have have, have a 55-point ceiling for no reason? Right, maybe maybe there is a reason. Maybe something's broken. Uh, Glory Miante, do you change your player pool throughout the day since projections change with guys getting ruled out? Yeah, of course. But the thing that you did when I was removing guys from the plant, you don't even have to do that. But yes, if they obviously go through and whoever, I'm just putting highly projected players into my pool. I'm probably, but the thing is, is that if you're building a lineup builder, an optimizer, lineup HQ. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna try to jam in as many median fantasy points as possible. So guys that project horribly are not gonna show not gonna show up in lineups anyway. So exclude excluding the guy that plays six minutes off the bench. Like even if you built like seven thousand lineups, he may not even appear in any. So like, do I have to really exclude them now? Oh, let's see. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Okay, so this is some NBA stuff. This is what we'll be doing in the morning when we do NBA shows. So if you get used to it, going through the, the, our research process, obviously we'll look at results DB for the previous night slate. 
and then go through stuff like this, right? Not who's the plays, just who, what, what, are the, what are the numbers say? What do the projections say? How could we build lineups together? And which pieces end up in more lineups than others? And also understand that the, the more that like Jaron Jackson, Joel Embiid, and Scotty Barnes appear in lineups, the ownership starts going up. And if you're playing smaller field contests, this Scotty Barnes may actually be 58% owned, not 38% owned. The ownership that we have on RG is for the larger field contests. So if you're playing for the smaller field, you have to take that into account. So that's what we'll be doing. So I, I, I hope you enjoyed. This is, you know, it's not a picks. It's not a play show. It's not an anything. This is, this is strategy. This is not, the DFS is a math game. It is not a basketball game, right? All the basketball dudes, they're the ones that, that do all the work. And then my job is just make lineups that show a profit. And hopefully I get there. And hopefully you get there. So hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Dean and then and, and Kirk, Kirk Dees. Grinders live tonight for NBA. Then Meansy during the week. Meansy Roth, Tuttle uh, for Crunch Time. For premium members before lock. And especially in NBA, that pre-lock, you know, Crunch Time show. Very important because you never know. Six... The last half an hour before slate, anything could happen. And they, they have the real-time, real-time, real-time analysis and updates on that show. And, uh, and I'm always in the, the Roto-Grinders Discord, so you could uh, you could find me in the, the NBA chat, in any of the chats. You could mention me. You could do whatever. Don't DM me. I, I don't get DMs on Discord. Just post it in the regular chat because other people could possibly answer you also. So uh, so we'll, I'll, we'll, we'll go over this 11-game slate in review through Results TV tomorrow and uh answer your dfs strategy questions as always on the dfs pregame show on rotogrinders.com